This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Does hope belong in paradise? Canto 25 is known as the Canto of Hope. Yet this is somewhat odd given that, like hell, paradise is a hopeless place. Now, bear with me. Hope implies both a separation from the desired good and a possibility of union with this good. When we see it in this way, it becomes clear why hope is absent in hell. It is absent because the wills of the denizens of hell are so firmly fixed against God that they don't see him as they are good. They don't desire God and so cannot be united with him. On the other hand, paradise is a hopeless place because hope comes to fruition here. God, the ultimate object of the soul's desire, is fully present to it, no matter which level of paradise the soul occupies. In paradise, the souls no longer hope for the union with God. They enjoy it. So why does Dante discuss hope here? Let's dive into the canto and see what we can learn from it. In the highly evocative way, the canto of hope begins with the wistful if. If ere it happened that the sacred poem to which both heaven and earth have so set hand that it hath made me lean for many years, overcome the fierceness which against me bars the lovely fold where as a lamb I slept, though hostile to the wolves that gave it war. Then, with another voice and other fleece, a poet I'll return, and at the font of my own baptism take the laurel crown. For there I entered first into the faith, which makes soul known to God, and Peter later, because of my belief, thus wreathed my brow. What a loving, beautiful description of Florence as a place for which Dante longs with all the tender feelings of a lamb longing for the familial comfort of the sheepfold. It shows us the depth of Dante's attachment to his native land and the degree to which it exercised the pull on Dante's heart even to the end of his life. And, in retrospect, the passage is tinged with sadness since we know that Dante's hopes were never realized, and that he died in exile. I have mentioned that hope presupposes the possibility of a union with the object of our desire. But now we have to acknowledge that the risk of a loss, of frustration of our desires, seems to be built into the logic of hope as well. For without it, hope would not be hope, it would be knowledge. Interestingly enough, it is this risk, this uncertainty that is built into the fabric of hope that made Thomas Aquinas insist that, in and of itself, hopefulness is not a virtue. This might come as a surprise to us, since we usually admire those who can hold on to hope even when it seems that all hope is lost, and we think of hopefulness as essential for a happy life. For Aquinas and for Dante, however, a character trait is a virtue only when it unerringly orients us to our highest good, which is found in union with God. 
Aquinas and Aristotle before him, argues that virtue cannot be misplaced or misused, that virtue does not miss the mark. It forges a certain and sure connection between us and our final end. Neither the emotion of hope nor the general character trait of hopefulness meets this criteria. We already mentioned the fact that the risk of failure is built into the very fabric of hope. We know that, although we hope for our happiness, we rarely can secure it. In addition, Dante's example confirms to us what we also know from experience, that we often hope for things that ultimately are not good for us, for things that would distract or even separate us from God. We might remember how, back in the earthly paradise, Beatrice chastised Dante the pilgrim for what amounts to a life of misplaced hopes. His natural talents and his love for Beatrice ought to have directed him toward God, but his misaligned will caused him to hope for and pursue other things, so much so that he found himself in a gloomy wood by the midway point of his life. In this canto, Dante the Pilgrim's journey has come to fruition. He has finally learned to hope well. For I suggest that even in the opening lines we see Dante's cherished hopes of returning to Florence being gradually subsumed and integrated into the hope of an ultimate homecoming. The long opening sentence begins with a desire for recognition from Dante the poet's countryman, but it ends with the crown given to Dante the pilgrim by St. Peter. And even as Dante talks about returning as a poet to his baptismal font, he claims that he will do so with another voice and another fleece, thus introducing the theme of the new robes of immortality that will replace the old robes of our body. Beatrice confirms this change in Dante when she answers one of the Apostle James's questions in Dante's stead. This lady who, in the earthly paradise, stopped the angels from singing, O oh Lord, I placed my hope in you, because their song would have been wasted on Dante, now claims, No child of greater hope has the church militant, and urges him to speak of the virtue of hope. For although considered in itself, hope is not a virtue, hope that is built on faith is. A person who has the theological virtue of hope hopes for the future glory. That is, she hopes for the kind of a union with God that the blessed enjoy in paradise. Moreover, she believes God's promises given to her in the scriptures. The promise that in Christ's name, this union is secured. Incidentally, this canto is full of references to a marriage union which is such a beautiful image of the unity between God and his bride. But this security does not reside in ourselves. Aquinas points out that the union with God is so completely beyond the reach of our natural abilities and powers that we can only hope to achieve it if God himself guides and forms us on our way. To think otherwise, to believe that we can achieve the glory of the paradise without the difficult work of transformation that the union with God requires, is to fall into the sin of presumption. Dante demonstrates that, by God's grace, 
he is worlds away from where he started on this journey. Still, since Dante's life on Earth is not over yet, the work of transformation is not yet complete, and the glorious union with God is delayed. And so, Dante remains truly and rightfully hopeful. Dante's scholars consider the opening of this content to be crucial for understanding Dante's whole project. For this is where Dante tells us that he believes himself to be writing a poema sacra, or a sacred poem to which both heaven and earth set their hand. I suggest that by looking at the movements of this canto, by seeing Dante's earthly longings and hopes transposed and transformed by the love of God, we can begin to see Dante's sacred poem as a work whose nature is similar to that of Augustine's Confessions. It transforms both its author and its readers as they follow its progress. Dante sees himself as a new David. He is singing a theody, or divine song, in hopes of directing and kindling other people's hopes for the beatific vision. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.